family. We love them. We hate them. We can't stand them. We cannot stand to be without them. They are our first and probably most important ministry field as well. Let's not forget that. Today we're going to talk about love and how we need to love our family. Sounds easy, doesn't it? It's not. <laughs> it sounds easy, but it's not. Hey, go ahead and give me my, give me my slides. There you go. That's the first one. Um, my family is temperamental. Half temper, half mental. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's not that diabetes and heart disease and obesity runs in your family. It's that no one runs in your family. <laughs> Every family has that one weird, weird relative. If you don't know who it is... Uh, It's me. Yeah, <laughs> it's definitely me, but I already know. But there was a time when I didn't. I used to hear stuff like that, like, you know, yeah, somebody's the, you know, the weird person in the family that nobody really talks about. And I was like, we don't really have one. <laughs> All right, go ahead. <laughs> Our family puts the fun in dysfunctional. Somebody say amen. <laughs> all right, give me the next one. My doctor asked if any members of my family suffered from insanity. I said, nope, we all seem to enjoy it. <laughs> Who needs soap operas anymore? One family gathering and you are set for enough drama to last a lifetime. Uh, yeah, I see people out there nodding their heads like, yep, those are big facts there, preacher. Sometimes I wonder how I became such a weird person until I talked to my mom. <laughs> Sorry, mom, I love you. But we pass it on down. And, and actually, I think that's going to be even more true for the next generation, like the kids that just left. You know, sometimes they're going to wonder why it is that they're so odd, and then they're going to look around at the folks that are sitting in this room with me right now and be like, yep, that's it. Is that it? Is that the last one? Yeah, I think so. All right, good deal. Oh, no, no, no. This is the best. Then this is my favorite one. <laughs> if you met my family, uh, then you would understand. Then you would understand. Anyway, funny stuff. About nine months ago, um, I got a phone call from my wife, and she was like, Hey, Paul, how you doing today? And I was like, I'm all right. How are you? She was like, Ah, oh, you know, doing all right. I'm just concerned about you. And, and it's just very uncharacteristic. And I was like, What's going on? And she was like, Oh, nothing. Okay, what else is going on besides nothing? It's like, well, I got a, I got a phone call earlier. And I'm like, okay, here we go. And I'm thinking it's something about church, you know, probably some, something going on at church, and I just need to handle it. I'm like, okay, here we go. Lay it on me. I'm ready. And she's like, yeah, it was, it was Child Protective Services calls. And I was like, okay. <laughs> That's different. And, uh, you know, they, they said that there's a, a member of our family and the, the you know, family that was caring for them is not going to be able to care for them anymore. And um, basically they said that we've got kind of two choices, that either they can go into state care or uh, they can come home with us. And I was like, okay. <laughs> okay, that's cool. Um, yeah. So, so it's in these moments when, you know, the Lord kind of speaks to you without really speaking in an audible voice. It's just the principles of God that come to life in you. And it's like, okay, Mr. Love God, love people, what you going to do now? 
okay, Mr. Put the Lord above everything else in your life and do whatever God's called you to do. What you going to do now? Because you have to understand, I work a full-time job. I, I, I pastor this, you know, a, a thriving church uh, that takes up a lot of time. I coach high school football. Uh, was working, still working my college degree at the time. Plus, I have a wife and two kids already. And I was like, okay, good deal. What are we going to do? Where are we going to fit this kid? Where are we going to fit any time for this kid in? What, 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 how is this going to work? But I just had to sit down and be like, okay, what, what are you going to do, man? Are, are, are you going to let your love be surface level? Are, are, are you going to let your love be something you preach about on Sundays? Are you going to let your love be something you post about on the Facebook? Or are you going to let your love be something that you're willing to live out? Are, are you going to let your love be, willing to be something that you're willing to sacrifice for? Is, is your love going to be willing, is something that you're willing to stand behind and, and really uh, make part uh, of, of your life? Uh, and, and, and so, you know, without really any hesitation, I was like, yeah, baby, bring her on. Come on, we'll do whatever we have to do to make this happen, to make this happen for her life. Because we love this person. We love this person. We want the best for her. And we're willing to sacrifice of our family to do something in her life. And so she came. That day, that hour, we went and picked her up. But I want you to know this, that since that child has given her life to Jesus Christ and been baptized in Jesus' name, can you say amen? Because we said yes. Because we were willing to let our love be more than surface level. Because we didn't want to be an Instagram kind of family. We wanted to be a family that was willing to live out the things of God in our life. Now, it hasn't been easy. It hasn't been easy. It's not easy. It's tough. And, and all the time we're having to do different things and make different, you know, plans and, and, you know, go a different route than what we had intended to go. But we know without a shadow of a doubt that we're going the way that God wants us to go because just like I told you, that child has given her life to Christ and that's all that matters. And so right at the, the apex of, our, of us getting kind of this thing straight and getting it going and, and, and kind of getting back into a groove and thinking, hey, maybe we can handle this. And God sent us two more. <laughs> and, and, and like I preached last week you think God won't give you more than you can handle I promise you he will but he does that so we'll reach out to him so that we'll rely on him you know like I was talking to the, the worship team about before church started today that you know in, in the book of Judges in, in chapter 6 we learn about Gideon and, and we learn about this battle that he was about to fight and, and, and he had this big army, and he was going to fight an even bigger army. But God was like, no, you have too many in your army. Let's get rid of some of them. Send some, tell the ones that are scared and want to go home. Tell them to go home. And so that's what he did. And they went home. And he lost a lot of his army. And God was like, eh, nope, you still got too many. Tell them to go down to the water, and they're going to drink a certain way. And the ones that drink a certain way are going to go home, and you're just going to keep the rest of them. And so it came down to about 300 guys that stayed with Gideon. And... What, what, it was 450 to one odds? Is that what you said? For every Israeli soldier, there was 450 Midianite soldiers that they had to go to, go to battle against. But that's the way God wanted it. You know why? Because when you overcome 450 to one odds, guess what? It wasn't you. It wasn't you. It was him and him alone. And that's how we do this thing. Would you stand with me for the reading of God's Word today? I, I'm going to read this from the New Living Translation today just because I don't want there to be any uh, confusion about it. Just plain, plain old English. Just plain old English, right? Uh, Romans chapter 12, starting in verse 9, the Bible says this, don't just pretend to love others. 
really love them. I mean, dude, we could stop right there. We, we could, if, if we could get the second half of the vision statement of this church down, this, this love people part, then we would have it all figured out. You know, because you can't really love people without loving God first. It's just the way that it is. I, I mean, any love that doesn't come from God is false love. So if we could figure this out, if we could do this, if we could, not, if we could stop pretending to love others and really love them, then we would have everything figured out. I mean, we, we could be the people of God that he's designed us to be. Uh, second half of this verse says this, hate what is wrong and hold tightly to what is good. We'll get to more of that later. Uh, verse 10 says this, love each other with a genuine affection and take delight in honoring each other. Not, not take delight in honoring yourself. Too, too often, we take honor in being high and lifted up. Uh, honor me. No. Honor somebody else. How about we do what John said in, in, in uh, you know, John the Baptist said in the book of John. How about I be decreased so that Jesus Christ can be increased? How about I do like the Apostle Paul says in multiple letters? How about I ignore self, right? And I think of others more highly than myself and I lift somebody else up every now and then. What if I do that? That's not what I'm preaching about. Well, it is kind of. Verse 11, never be lazy, but work hard and serve the Lord enthusiastically. Verse 12, and this is what it all comes down to, and this is going to be the apex of our sermon today. Rejoice in our confident hope, be patient in trouble, and keep on praying. Can somebody say amen? Pray with me this morning. God, we receive this word today. I pray today that we, uh, by the power of your love, by the power of your glory, can love truer, that we can love better, that we can love more. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Can you give him a shout of praise this morning at the Way Church, man? And, and, and that's the title of my sermon today, is Love Truer. That is proper English, by the way. I looked it up. You can say Love Truer, even though it sounds weird. Love Truer, Love Better, Love More. I want you guys to say it with me, but, I, but I, I, I'm going to divide it up, right? So I, I, want, I want this section to say Love Truer when I point at you. I want this section to say Love Better when I point at you, and I want this section over here to say love more when I point at you, okay? We're going to have to be, we're going to have to talk loud though, right? We're going to have to talk loud. So, okay, now look, the truer section rocked. I know there's a bunch of them, so they have an advantage, but there, there is more of them. They totally rocked it, but also the love more section killed it, and there's not as many of them. The love better section in the middle, guy, you guys need some work. Travis, man, come on, dude. Come on. Wendy, I know you have a big mouth, sister. Let's go. Come on, man. Let's go. Let's go. J.P. Merlot, come on, man. Larry, Brother Billy, I've heard you preach, man. Come on, let's do this, all right? Let's do this. Let's do this. Come on, praise God. Give yourself a hand, would you? Love truer, love better, love more. Look, I, I, want, I want to read this very first verse to you in a couple of different translations so that you can really get your, get your hands around, get your arms around it, and really let it penetrate your heart. Um, but, but before, let me tell you this. I, I would rather you tell me that you hate me and be telling the truth than for you to tell me that you love me and be lying. I, I'm serious. If you can't stand me, just let me know. It'll be okay. We'll work it out. Then we'll have somewhere to grow from, right? Right? We'll have somewhere to grow from. Yeah, then we can be brothers, sisters, whatever. You know, we, we can grow from there. But if you constantly tell me that you love me and you don't, you know, you don't, just don't do that. And, and that goes for every part of your life. 
Bible says this in, in, in the New International Version, the NIV, it says, love must be sincere. In the ESV, it says, love must be, let love be genuine. In, in, in the, uh, the Berean literal Bible, it says this, let love be unfeigned. King James says, love, let love be without dissimulation. I don't know what that means, but I, I'm assuming from context that it's very similar, right? Uh, the CSB says, let, let love be without hypocrisy. And then, of course, the New Living Translation, which is what we read, I think breaks it all down. and says, don't just pretend to love others, really love them. You know, I think we throw this word love around in our culture way too much. You know, the, the, the Greek that we're reading that's been translated into this New Testament has it four different words for love. Um, you know, which is the love of God. You know, phileo, which is brotherly love or affection. Uh, eros, which is romantic love or, or you know, whatever. Uh, and then storge, which is family love, right? Which is family love. But we just have the one word. So, so I say that I love my wife and I say I love chicken wings and it's the same word. Wait, maybe that's not a good example because I really... Very fond of chicken wings, you know. No, I'm kidding. I, I, I'm just like I, I don't want the best for chicken wings, though. You know, you know what I'm saying? I want the best chicken wings, but I don't want the best for chicken wings. You know what I'm saying? I just want them for me. Like I want to consume them, but I want the best for my wife. I love her. I I, I want I want her for me too. But, but I also want her just for the sake of her. Like, I love her that I want her to be high and lifted up, man. I want the best for her in everything in life. And, and, and so there's so much more to this word love than, than what we're able to comprehend from the way that we use it in, in, in our culture. And, and, and so here's my point. We need to let love be more than a word. Let love be more than words. Let love be more than a feeling. That's a lot of song lyrics, isn't it? But that just goes to show you how important it is. You know, last year, my, my anniversary last year, you, some of you guys saw the, the video that we made. I, I reproposed my wife out there on the, the walk across bridge in the middle of Nashville. And uh, Chris came down there and, and played more than words out there on the, uh, uh, you know, on the, on the thing. We totally ambushed her with it. It was a really cool deal. Uh, but, you know, just that, that action was how I wanted to show her that I loved her by just not just saying it. Because you could say anything, there's, there's no, you know, words don't cost you anything, right? Words don't cost you anything. You could say anything. Words don't cost you anything. It comes down to whether or not you're going to live those words out. It comes down to whether you're going to make your life mean what, what those words are trying to convey. So, so, so what if we stop just saying it and start doing it? And what if we even more than that would take it a step further? What if we stop just doing it and we let it become who we are? Man, what if we just begin to love just for the sake of love? Man, that's genuine love. It's genuine love. You know, like I said at the, at the very beginning, like I've, I've got some people that I'm connected to now that'll come up to me and be like, I love you. And I'm thinking in my mind, no, you don't. <laughs> I mean, I don't say that, but it's true. But I just don't, I don't want to be that because I know I do that some too. And I, and I don't want to be that. I don't want to be that. I, I, I want to let this thing be who I am. I want to be sincere in my love like the NIV says. Let, let your love be sincere. You know, um, the, the, there's some people that say that the root of that word sincere, that, that it comes from the Latin and there's this background story. And some people say it's not true, but some say it is, but it's a really cool story anyway. That it comes from the Latin word sincerus, which means no wax. 
right? So the, the definition of the word is actually like, like pure or unaltered. But some people say that it means no wax. And, and where that comes from is this, that some, in, back in the Roman Empire, that they would have the, the, the dealers of ceramics and, and vases and, and pottery would have these pots out there. And that if one of them would get cracked, then they would take wax and seal the crack. And then they would still put that pot out there for sale when it had been sealed with wax to cover up the crack. But so what some smart folks would do is they would take those pots that they were considering buying and they would hold it up in the sun. And if it had any cracks that were filled in with wax, as that light and heat began to be applied to that ceramics, the wax would begin to melt and it would run. And so that's why some vendors started marketing their merchandise as sincere, sincerous, which means no wax. And so what I'm wondering for us, church, is this, that if our love gets held into the light, if our love gets put through a little bit of fire, is it going to hold up or is it going to melt? Because here's the thing, if you have replaced some of what should have been genuine love with wax, it's not going to stand, it's going to run. And so what I want to know today is the love that you have for your family, is the love that you have for the children of the family of God, is the love that you have for God himself. Is it pure, is it sincere, or is it filled in with wax? Is it going to stand up, or is it going to run? Somebody say, no wax. Man, say it like you mean it. Say no wax. If you're watching on Facebook Live, put it in the comments. Just say no wax. Because that's what we want to have is a kind of love that stands up to the test, doesn't run, and doesn't run. A sincere love that ain't got no wax in it. The next half of that verse says this. It says, let's hold tight to what's good and hate what's evil. Why do we talk about hate right where we talk about love? Because you can't really have one without the other, can you? You know, the strongest hate, you know, drives from the deepest kind of love. You know, I, I read this in, a, in, in The Great Divorce by C.S. Lewis. He said this, that um, demons weren't made from rats or insects or spiders or something that we think is evil, some kind of low life. The demons that attack us were made from angels. It's only the deepest kind of love that can spawn the most terrible kind of hate. And, 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 and so the point of this verse is this. If we're really going to love God, we have to hate sin. And if we're really going to love people, we have to hate selfishness. Do you feel that? If you're really going to love God, you've got to hate sin. And if you're really going to love somebody else, you've got to hate selfishness. And, and, and if you don't, you'll never get there. And, and, and we'll never get there fully, not until we see him face to face. That's what we're striving. Or to love God and hate sin, to love people and hate selfishness, to become the people of God that we've been determined to be. And that means we've got to love better. That means we've got to love better. And, and the next verse says this in verse 10. It says, love each other with a genuine affection and delight in honoring one another. I see social media posts like this all the time. I see ones that say, why should I do anything for them? They ain't never done nothing for me. Or, 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 um, I, I, you know, people are, about to, people are about to see the real me, right? People are about to see the real me. 
I'm going to stop pulling punches. They done did this to me. Now they're going to see who I really am. It's like, dang, who you really are is terrible. Or, 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 I'm not going to force anybody to see my kids. It's like, man, what if we love better than that? You know, what if we love better than that? What if we, what if we begin to love without expecting anything in return? What, what, what if we started to love people, not for what they can give us, but just because we want to give something to them? Well, what if we begin to love people, not because of who they are, but because of who we are? What if we, man, who would we be like then? I mean, if we begin to live like that, who would we be like? And 1 John chapter 4 says that God is love. Man, he doesn't love you because of who you are. He ain't got no reason to love me because of who I am. He doesn't love me because of what I do. Because I mess up every day, all the time. I don't love him the way he deserves to be loved. I don't love my wife the way she deserves to be loved. I don't love my kids like I should. None of them. I don't love y'all or lead y'all like I should. I fail all the time. And yet still he loves me. And yet still he loves me enough to die for me. And yet still he loves me enough to sustain me every single day. Loves me enough that when I need to breathe that there's air. Loves me enough that when I need to see that there's light. Loves me enough that, that, that my heart is still beating and pushing blood through my veins, man. He still loves me enough. Man, just when, when we begin to love people just because of who we are, then we become like Christ. Because that's what he did. And I don't know about you, but I want to be like him. I, I just, I just want to be like him. You know, it's like when I preached that, that sermon on judging a few weeks ago. I was like, man, judge me according to this because I want to be like him. I just want to love like him. What, what if we woke up every day? Not with a mission to get enough, but with a mission to love enough. What, what, what if instead of saying, man, how much have I gotten today for me? If I just woke up with a counter that said, have I loved enough today? Have, 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 I, have, I, have I poured out enough today? Who have I loved today? Who have I loved today? What else can I do to love somebody today? Is there some way that I can help somebody to experience God today? Is there some way I can use what God has given me just to bless somebody today? Is there some way that I can lift somebody else up just a little bit higher today? Is there anything that I haven't done that I could do? Man, that sounds exhausting. And it is. But I'm telling you today that we have to love more. We have to love more. Look, look, the Bible says this. Never be lazy, but work hard and serve the Lord enthusiastically. Man, don't get lazy with love, you hear me? Don't get lazy with your love. I noticed this at my own house. When I get lazy loving my wife, my marriage goes downhill. It does. But when I enthusiastically, when I, when I get busy 
loving my wife. Man, my marriage shines like the sun. Can you say amen? Look, you're, you're not going to get something out of it that you ain't willing to put into it. Be like this with your family. Love them often. You know, we say to our football players, you can't take a playoff. Because, Brent, what happens when you take a playoff? You get whooped. You get whooped. If one person out of those 11 folks on the field takes a playoff, I can guarantee you that's the part that's going to be exposed. Every time. Every time. I mean, I watch film with my kid. Bless his heart. It's over teaching children's ministry. I'd be like, see what you did right there? How come you blocked that guy into next week, last week, and this time you were playing patty cake with him and you let him get back there and sack your quarterback? Same thing happens in our family. We get lazy. We take a day off. We don't love our, our wife like we're supposed to today. We don't love our kids like we're supposed to today. We're not there for our grandkids like we were supposed to do today. And that's the day that the devil's going to seize that opportunity. That's the day that he's going to show up in force. You know, my wife's wearing a shirt that says, not today, Satan. And we adopted that phrase this morning before we left the house. But that should be what we adopt every single day of our life. Not today, Satan. You know, you may get me, but it won't be because I'm lazy. You know, and I know I use football analogies a lot, but that's my heart. I mean, that's who I am as a person. You know, I do three things. I know about Jesus. I know about computers. I know about football. That's pretty much all you get with me. But when I was on a football field, it was like this. And, and this is what I encourage my son to be like. That guy may whip me. He may. He may just be bigger than me. He may be stronger than me. He may be trying harder than me, but he's not going to beat me because I'm lazy. He's not going to beat me because I'm taking a play off. He, he's not going to beat me because I'm not trying. He, he's not going to beat me because I'm not willing to give everything that I have to give. And, and that comes down to this church too, man. You know, the devil may get me. I was talking the other day to some people that, you know, some other pastors I know have fallen into some stuff and whatever. And, and, and the devil may get me someday too. You know what? But it won't be because I'm not trying. And it won't be because I don't have Jesus on my mind and in my heart. And it won't be because my feet are not trying to go after his feet, man, because I'm trying. And, and, and that's the same for your family, man. The devil may weasel his way in, but don't let it be because you're not trying. Don't let it be because you're not willing to work. Don't let it be because you're not willing to sacrifice for your family, man. You can't take a day off from love. Now, don't get me wrong. You need healthy boundaries. I'm not saying let, let your family dominate your entire life and let them rule you and, 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 you know, domineer you and those kind of things. You need healthy boundaries. As a matter of fact, you know, God says that, you know, in, in Psalm 16, he lays that like, like his, his boundary lines fall in pleasant places. And, and what it should be is those lines we draw should be out of love too. And really they should be so that we can love better and that we can love more. You know, we, we have a framework down that allows us to love better and to love more. Because, yeah, it is exhausting, man. My family wears me out. Wear me out. <laughs> they wear me out. And I need a break sometimes. But I need that break so I can recharge and get refilled so I can love them better and love them more. Even Jesus had to go alone by himself sometimes. Y'all stay over there. I need to talk to the Father. Lord, how long? <laughs> how long? But then when he came back, he was like, man, I love you guys. I'm here for you. I'm going I'm to live for you. I'm going to die for you. You know, and then if you read in the Gospels a couple days later, he was back on that hilltop like, okay, Lord, fill me up. Fill me up because I got nothing left. And we need those moments in our life. I mean, we have to have those moments in our life. But the thing is, the reason that we get filled up is so that we can pour out.
That's what this is all about. You know, J.R. just sang that song just a few minutes ago called Deeper. And, and that song comes from the book of Ezekiel in chapter 47. It's where that song was adopted from. And it, it talks about the river that flows from the throne room of God. And that's the river as his grace is, is identified in the Holy Spirit. And it fills us up. And wherever it flows, it brings life, right? Wherever it flows, it brings life. But in that scripture, and I encourage you to read it, it, it talks about how that, that river of life sometimes flows into these swamps and it stagnates and it dies and there's no life there. And, and so what that means for us is that the power of the Holy Spirit continually flows from God into us, but if we don't let it flow through us, then it dies in us. You hear what I'm saying? But if you'll pour it out, it'll constantly get filled back up. Constantly get filled back up. And that's where the life comes from. It comes from God, and then we pour it out, and then he fills us back up, renewed, restored, re-energized, reinvigorated, and ready to get after things for the kingdom of God. Because that's what this life is all about. Continuously overflowing with his love and continuously being filled back up. You can't get lazy serving God and your family. Listen, if you really want to invite God into your family, then you can't let church stop here. You hear what I'm saying? You can't let church stop here. You can't come in here and, and sing the songs and listen to the sermons and then leave it all behind when you go back to your family. Because you're never going to have the kind of family that God desires you to have if you do that. What you're going to have is an Insta family, like what we were talking about. You're, you're going to be like that Barbie was on the thing. Like, oh, I just love this and it's great and praise the Lord. And when you get home, you're cussing everybody out. You know, and I see it happen way too often. I mean, we have people that, that have been part of our church and other ministries that we've been part of that will come in here and, and serve God and live for God while they're at church. They'll even go out and work in the mission field with us. And when they get home, they're a totally different person. When they get home, there's nothing of God that's going on in their family. And they get lazy serving God when they get home because they think it's time to take off. But what I want to tell you today is that we want to stop being an Insta family, an Instagram family, and we want to become the real family of God that God desires us to be, then we can't leave the teachings of God here. We can't leave the praise and worship of God here. We can't leave the truth and the wisdom of God here. We have to be imbued with it and invigorated with it here. And then we have to take it home to our family and live it out there just like we would live it out here. Can you say amen? Yeah, give him praise for that because it's true. It's true. It's true. We cannot stop here. Your family is your most important mission field. That's where this thing gets taught. That's where this thing gets lived out. That's where we pass it down to the next generation. You know, I, I posted a thing about my son last night. We were, you know, the night before Halloween or whatever, we were talking about evil stuff and whatever and why people get so caught up in, you know, this whole season. And we were talking about what's scary and what's not scary. And what you should actually be worried about and the kind of things you shouldn't be worried about. And, and, and my son, Logan, dives in. And he says, you know what the scariest thing in the world is? And I was like, what's that? I mean, I had no idea what he was going to say, right? I mean, he could have said Michael Myers or Freddy Krueger or the Taliban. I mean, I had no idea where he was going. You know what the scariest thing in the world is? I was like, what's that? He said, when Jesus says, depart from me for I never knew you. Come on, man. I don't know that if I've ever been more proud. You know, I've seen him sack quarterbacks, and I've seen him, you know, do all this stuff, and I don't know if I've ever been more proud of him than I was in that moment because he knows what's true. Because he knows what's true. And when we have the opportunity to pass that down into our family, 
you know, I, I was talking to another pastor a while back, and, and uh, we were talking about why pastors' kids are so crazy. <laughs> because I don't want mine to be that. You know what I'm saying? I, I, we don't want ours to be that. And, 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 and it's just this reputation, this stereotype that they have. And we were like, why in the world, like, why do pastors' kids go crazy? Like, why do they go out and, and do this thing? And, and another pastor, a wise pastor, a friend of mine, one of my mentors said this to me. He said, it's because there's no authenticity. He said, the reason that pastors' kids go crazy, in my experience, is that the guy you see on the stage, or in the pulpit, he said pulpit, the guy you see in the pulpit, the guy you see out in the community is not the guy they see at home. And dude, that shook me to my core. And I don't ever want to be that. I don't ever want to be that. I want to be the same at home with my family when nobody else is watching as I am standing here in front of you right now with this stupid thing on my ear. I want to be the same person all the time. I want to be authentic. We, I need you to love more. You hear what I'm saying? I need you to love more. I need you to be the same child of God at home in your kitchen and in your living room and on your back deck that you are right here in this church building. And that's how we break down the walls of the Insta family and that's how we become the people of God that he's designed us to be. And everything else in this world is going to try to tear that down and destroy that and take that and steal that away from us. Because they want, what they want to tell you is that it's okay to be one way out here and a totally another way somewhere else. And man, that's garbage. That, that, that's garbage. You, you know where the word hypocrisy comes from? It, 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 it's actually an acting term, right? It's actually an acting term. It means to wear a hat. And so back in the Greek times, there weren't that many actors. And so what they would do is they would wear a mask to kind of become a different character. And, and so the, the, it would have the, you know, like you've probably seen, there used to be this awesome painting before they covered it up with whatever's out there now that, that had the, like the, the happy face and the, and the sad, the face of sorrow of the, from the theater uh, out there on the wall of this building. And, and so the word hypocrisy just means to wear a mask. It means to wear a mask. That's what a lot of people, and, and even I'm guilty of it, all of us are probably of, of doing that with our family, of putting a mask over our family, of using a filter of our family, of presenting this Instagram kind of family out there to the world when, when there's all this corruption and, and all this sickness that's going on inside of it deep down. But you know what's going to happen if we continually put facade after facade after facade over this infection that runs deep into our family? Eventually it's going to die because that's what happens. If you don't confront the infection that is in a wound and clean it out and sometimes it hurts to do so then eventually that infection will kill whatever it's in what we have to do is be willing to strip off all the facade and get down to the base of it and get down to the wound of it and get down to what's really going on and then apply the word of God and the Holy Spirit to those wounds and watch him heal them and watch him seal them and watch him use them for his glory and for your good can you say amen and that brings us to this, to love right. The Bible says this in, in Romans 12, 12, rejoice in our confident hope, be patient in trouble, and keep on praying. Keep on praying. Love true, love better love often be confident in our hope I heard my I've heard my wife say this that, that we our hope is in Jesus Christ 
because we know what the end is already. And what happens between here and there is irrelevant because our hope is in Christ. Our hope is in the finished work of Christ on the cross. Our hope is that he's going to split open that eastern sky and come and claim his bride. Can somebody say amen? And that's what our hope's in. That's what our hope is in. We don't have to put our hope in anything else. Because you know what? Everything else on the face of the earth is going to fail you. But he never will. And be patient in trouble. The book of James in chapter 1 says, Count it all as joy. Be patient in trouble. Man, Pastor Brent preached a few weeks ago about Jeremiah 29, 11, right? Be patient in your trouble. It may take 70 years, but you know what? God still has your good in mind. And he still has a future plan for you. And he still has something amazing in store for you. It may just not come when you want it to. Same goes for your family. Be patient in affliction. Be patient in trouble. Be patient in sorrow. You know what? This too shall pass. It will. Yeah, y'all have heard that before a time or two, right? I have too. I was in them rooms too, okay? I was in there too. This too shall pass. And it will. See, there's a new season coming. And then that last one says this. Don't stop praying. Don't stop praying. I know somebody that prayed for 30 years for their spouse to get off the dope and give their life to Jesus Christ. 30 years. Can you imagine praying for somebody 30 years while you're out there watching them run around that crazy? <laughs> yeah. 30 years. And yet when it was time, when it was time, the Holy Spirit of the living God took control of that situation. And that man gave his life to Christ. And now we know what his end is. Because we have a confidence in that hope that comes from Jesus Christ that can't come from anywhere else. You know, I've, I've had people come to me before and be like, man, how can you have any hope in this situation? Because my hope is not in this situation. My hope is not in this situation. My hope is not in the, the next rehab that my family member got sent to. My hope is not in the, you know, the, the, the breathing machine that my family member's hooked up to. My hope is not in the, the online school that's trying to get me to teach algebra and I don't know how to teach algebra because I don't know how to do algebra. My hope's not in any of that. And listen, I want to be real clear. My hope's not in a government. It's not. It's not. Now, I encourage you to, to vote how you think the Bible's leading you to vote, how the Holy Spirit inside you is leading you to vote in this election. That's fine. Do it. Man, you go after who God, who you think God is leading you to vote for. That's fantastic. But let me be very clear about this. The election is not going to save you. The government's not going to save you. And you know what? The government's not going to save your family either. You know who's going to save you? God is the only one that can save you. You know who's going to fix your family? God is the only one that can fix your family. But let me be real clear about this part. You think it's awesome when God does something to you until God does starts doing something through you. God wants to fix your family. But he wants to use you to do it. He wants to use you to do it. And that's why you have got to love truer. Be sincere in your love. No wax. No wax. You got to love true. That's why God wants you to love better. 
Not because of what you can get out of it. More than words, more than a feeling, all them songs. He wants you to love better. God wants you to love more. Don't get tired of loving. That could be a song too. I'm going to write a country song. <laughs> I'll take you up on that. Don't get tired of loving. It all comes down to this. So you can love God. Right? And so you can love people. Let me go real quick. Well, I'll shut this thing down, man, in just a second. But let me, let me go back to the book of Romans in chapter 12. But let me go to verse 1. Therefore, brothers and sisters, in view of the mercies of God, I urge you to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true worship. Do not be conformed to this age, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds so that you may discern what is the good and perfect and pleasing will of God. Love God, love people. You want to fix your family? Love them. Love them truer. Love them better. Love them more. Be the example of what a man or woman of God is called to be. And don't let anything stop you from pursuing that. Not what the world says or does. Not what you've said or done previously. Not, not what culture is telling you to do. Not what people out in the, the you know, world of social media are saying is right. No, man, you live out what it says in the Word of God. Let your love be sincere. No wax. No wax. You know why? Because there's no wax in this love right here. There's no wax in this love. You know how we know that? Because if there was this would have never happened. It would have never happened. You know, they were standing there screaming at him, and they said, if you're really the son of God, then save yourself. Save yourself. And isn't that what the world around us tells us? Hey, save yourself. Do more for you. What are you getting out of it? You know what he got out of that? Not a thing. But he gave it all. He gave it all. And I don't know about you, Way Church, but that's the kind of love that I want to have. When the much younger pastor here does my eulogy, I don't want him to say anything about what I had, but just how I loved. That's all. And when I stand before the throne room of God, man, if you really believe this is going to happen, I, I, need, I need everybody to focus on this, man. If you really believe this is going to happen, when I stand before the great white throne of the living God, He's not going to care what I had or what I did, but just how I loved. So if you want to be somebody, be nobody come on guys if you really want to be something in the kingdom of God 
And he said it over and over. If you want to be something in the kingdom of God, love truer, love better, love more. Because that's what he did.